Welcome everybody in the Off the Ball Network fandom and beyond to your usual Monday night affair that you all join us here. It is the Bunts and Bruises podcast, as always, your two favorite hosts, I, I like to think, considering you join us every single week. As always, your hockey guy, Jerg, coming at you with all the talk in and outside of the rink. And as always, my partner in crime, my helper when it comes to hockey talk. This man knows more hockey than he lets on, ladies and gentlemen. And the Shohei Hotani of baseball talk in the media game today, my guy, James Barcia. James, as always, it's a pleasure, my man. Jerg, how are we doing this week? It's Monday, head off today. I was having a fantastic day. It was actually amazing how my day started. Then I went and played nine holes of golf, and then it just all went straight down because I am god-awful, and I found that out. But now it's 8 o'clock live on a Monday. You know exactly where my heart is. Is here, bunts and bruises. It doesn't get any better than this, except when you get $50 free from Monkey Knife Fight by using promo code off the ball. And when you use promo code off the ball, they match any bet you put in your first time deposit as a customer up to $50. And like I always say, Jer, who doesn't like free money? It's free $50. They have two promotions going on. You can do the home run derby where you pick three people to hit a home run. And if you get it, you split the thousand dollar pot with someone. If it doesn't, it rolls over to the next day. And while the season's still going, you might as well finish and hit that goal rush where you pick three people who are going to hit a goal with possibly what could be the last game of the season, Jerk. It's insane, but one more time, guys. Use promo code off the ball and you get a $50 match on your first bet. Absolutely. And like James said, monkeyknifefight.com, the thing to go to. And we may be seeing uh, this could potentially be the final NHL game people can put uh, some money on in the goal rush tonight. But we'll get to that in very just a few moments' time. Of course, we are going to go over the Stanley Cup final coming off of last week's show when we had the outstanding Logan Lockhart with us. And he came on and discussed it, broke everything down. If you want, uh, outstanding hockey and baseball talk definitely check out i mean every episode we do but last week in particular was fun phenomenal but before we get to the stanley cup final in of itself we have a little bit of a somber start here really fast uh within the last 24 hours or so in the hockey world matisse kevlinix a goalie in the system of the columbus blue jackets uh, tragically passed away the news broke this morning this was honestly the one of the first things i woke up to uh today just overall it, it was uh, a really tragic thing to hear. Like I said, a 24-year-old, it really puts in perspective. James, you and I are very close to that age. you know. So on a personal level, it just puts the things into perspective. And of course, in and outside the sports world in general, but it, it, it's just tragic to hear that incident like this happens and the young man lost his life in and of itself. So the hockey world, of course, mourned today. The Columbus Blue Jackets, players, everyone within that organization who had ever played with him, guys that are on other teams in the NHL in and of itself, Posts and paid respects to a young man that just loved the game, like all athletes do, and for it to come to an end, both on and off the ice, of course, it was just a, a hard thing to hear. So our thoughts and prayers here at Bunsen and Bruises are with his family and with the hockey family in and of itself for the news that we all had to bear witness to this morning. So moving on from that in the best way we can. The Stanley Cup final, of course, was the biggest news coming into today with Game 4 being tonight. Uh, James. We spoke about game four, or well, just the cup final last week. You had Montreal, so I'm just going to throw it to you at first. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up 3-0. I'm sure Mo is going to be in the comments here uh, very, very soon. You know, just talking, trashing about. By the way, Mo will be on when the, the, when the Lightning eventually do win. So by next week, I don't think he'll be coming on tonight. By next week, Mo will make an appearance and he'll get to gloat as a 
fan of the two time the eventual two time defending Stanley Cup champions can. Uh, but James, I want to get your perspective. What? Because it, it wasn't just you. To be fair, you did pick Montreal to win. Me and Logan picked Tampa Bay, but we picked very close and competitive series from last week's show for anyone that listened back to it. So James, I want to get from your perspective, just everything you've been in taking this entire time. How shocked are you personally to see that the lightning have gotten off to such a massive lead here early on? I'm actually jerk. I'm not as shocked as you think I am because, you know, I picked the Canadians to uh, win it in six. I knew it was a bold move when I took it. I just had a lot of faith in Carey Price. And unfortunately, you know, the magical run is coming towards an end. He met his match. It's what they call it, a movable object, meaning an unstoppable force. Well, this unstoppable force is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they are exactly what we thought they are. There's just, like you said earlier on the Instagram post I read, Jerk, their offense should be a registered weapon because it's just unstoppable, man. And it's just, you know, it's not surprising what's happening on, but it's it hurts to see because no one likes to see a finals that just ends with one side completely running away with it hopefully we get a gentleman sweep and the canadians could at least take one right now but realistically i think i don't see how tampa bay lightning don't end it with the way they've been playing this stanley cup finals and they definitely have the champions mentality when it comes to how they've been approaching this series really ever since 2019 when they got swept by the columbus blue jackets uh, a different gear has been you know hit by this team when it comes to the playoffs you think of last season in the bubble when the first game of last year's playoffs in the bubble was a five overtime game against the blue jackets themselves and columbia uh tampa bay excuse me came out and won that and i think from that game on it has kind of brought its way to what we are seeing today with these cha- uh the champions that they are beating the islanders last season coming back this year the islanders gave them everything they could literally threw their best punches at them and they beat the Islanders in game seven at their game, which is that low scoring gritty affair that you rely on your goalie to win. So the Tampa Bay Lightning have just been on the next level. Like you said, I truthfully believe that their offense needs to be a registered weapon. I have not been joking the entire time when I've said Nikita Kucherov is, is essentially the winter soldier come to life. And I think the next time we go to war, all these guys should be drafted to their respective countries because they are all snipers, essentially speaking. So that is how lethal offensively they've been. And like you said, James, when we spoke about this with Logan last week, the irresistible force versus the immovable object, the two Goliaths, when we talked about this series being David versus Goliath, Logan summarized it best, I thought, going into it. The Goliaths in this series were Andre Vasilevsky and Carey Price. The two of them, Vasilevsky, even though he didn't win the Vesna Trophy at the end of the day, arguably you could still say was the best goalie in the regular season. And Carey Price has been the best goalie in these playoffs. And for those two guys, and Price has done all he can to this point, right? He He's done the best he can in certain situations, but the, the team has just failed him way too many times. The Montreal Canadiens, we'll get into a little bit of detail right now before we move on, but Montreal just game two, they could have had it. You know, they outshot Tampa Bay, they outphysicaled them, you know, and just at the end of the day, Tampa Bay won it because they took advantage of mistakes. It was at the very end of the second period, James. I'm sure you saw the highlight where Tampa Bay gets a turnover with just, I think, five seconds left it was. And a quick pass up the ice. And Blake Coleman, flat, like flat on the ice. Like, just imagine you're lying on your stomach and just swings a stick on the puck and gets the goal past Carey Price. That is what you call just a gut buster of a goal right there. Definitely one Carey Price would have loved to have back. Uh, but at the end of the day, it did help make a difference in that game. But then when you look at the other games, a 5-1 victory in game one, a 6-3 victory in game three, the Tampa Bay Lightning have just simply been a offensive juggernaut so far in this series. And like you said, it'll take another all-world performance from Carey Price tonight because we are recording this with game four going on, ladies and gentlemen. 
I, I think puck drop is probably just in a few moments here uh, compared to when we're recording. So it'll take another all world performance from price tonight. And it's not to say he can't do it. I think like you said, James, we hope that this series goes at least one more game. We would love it if the Montreal Canadiens at least avoid getting swept. Cause this is actually no Stanley cup finals has ended in a sweep since 1998. James funny enough. That was the cup final where the Detroit Red Wings went back to back. And now Tampa Bay having a chance for it. It almost feels like it's written in the stars that Tampa Bay is going to win tonight. But of course, all of us have our fingers crossed. Nothing against Tampa Bay, but we just wanted to go one more. I want Carey Price to just have that game tonight where he just literally stops everything. It's probably going to end up in like a 55 save night, all things considered for him. But if that's what it takes, that's what it's going to need to take. Um, obviously, we both already know Tampa Bay is going to win this. No team has ever come back down 0-3 in the Stanley Cup final. Now, it has happened in the NHL, I believe, five or six times in playoff history. Teams have come back down 0-3, but it's never happened in the Stanley Cup finals before. So that just makes it different. James, from your point of view, what does Montreal need to do, whether it's something new or just something they haven't done well this entire series so far, to at least just get one win tonight? Uh, they're going to have to roughen up Tampa a little bit. That's really the only way they're going to win. It's basically they got to keep playing the way, like Logan said last week, they just got to keep doing what they're doing because it's the winning formula. It's just unfortunately you're playing against Tampa Bay, you know, so you can have the winning formula. Everything could go just right, but you're talking about the best team. It's looking like they honestly, if they make another run for it next year, it would be no shock to anyone at all. So it's just you're out there trying your best and you're just swinging, hoping for a fighter's chance right now. And I can't think of anything different that the Canadians can do besides you got to make it a little more difficult and roughing up Tampa, but it's almost impossible, man. They scored six goals last game. That's more, that's more than you've scored in all three games together. They scored in just game three. So it's, you know, it's going to get, it's got to get ugly for them to actually have another chance and make this and win this game for, for the Montreal Canadiens. And I think also, James, when I I point to why Montreal is down in this series so far, a lot of the mistakes they made, Tampa's just not really making that many mistakes. They're few and far between. And I think at the end of the day, I, I find it funny because we're going to talk about another series later in the show when it comes to, you know, teams playing mistake-free in their game. Tampa's just playing mistake-free hockey. They're not giving Montreal anything. They're not... You know, the, the saying is you give an inch, they'll take a mile. They're not even giving them a centimeter in this series. They are playing the best they can. The few times they've made mistakes, for the most part, I think they've done well, especially Vasilevsky, two near shutouts in the first two games. He had his off game already, and yet they still won. And, and here's the thing. Every single time Vasilevsky has had an off game in these playoffs, he bounces back with a near shutout or a shutout after. So just nothing going Montreal's way so far in this one. And it, it's just a tragic thing. And yeah, I got Canada can't even win at the sport they're best at, technically speaking. I mean, to uh, to be fair, quite a few Canadians are doing uh, some pretty good work on the Tampa Bay side, but it's more so the Russians. And the conversation will, of course, be who on Tampa Bay will get the con Smythe. It's really between three guys, Nikita Kucherov, Andre Vasilevsky, and Braden Point. I think you could give it to any of those guys, personally. I wouldn't be upset. I'm sure whoever gets it, people are going to say, oh, so-and-so should have won it because da-da-da which is just the nature of sports fans and human beings in general. We just love to argue everything under the sun. So that in and of itself is going to happen. And according to Chris, you got to blame Kenneth. Although I think I don't even think Kenneth was rooting for Montreal, to be honest. I don't, I don't think we could blame Kenneth here at the end of the day, unless he's saying he betrayed his country, which I mean, that's, that's treasonous, James. That's treason. 
I mean, realistically, I don't think he was rooting for Montreal either. I think he actually said he hated the Canadians. So we probably should blame Kenneth, but it's okay. We'll blame him for something else later down the line. I'm sure he'll do something we could blame him for. Yeah, the, the, the group chat been going at it against Kenneth uh, the, the last couple of days, especially last night. There were some funny meme moments. So, uh, But I'm not going to harp on you, Kenneth. This ain't your fault by any stretch of the imagination. This is just the team around Carey Price not doing his job. But one, once again, before we finish this thing off, got to give Carey Price all the props in the world getting the team this far. If anyone doubted anything about his legacy before this uh, run, no more doubts. I don't care how this series ends up. You can't You can't even doubt it after the Stanley Cup final because he literally did all he could. You couldn't ask for any more. Technically, you could have, but l- let's be honest, it's Tampa. <laughs> it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're just too good, too dominant, too fast, too uh, just they're everything man they they are they are inevitable and like you said james i think the only two things that'll stop them from repeating next season are themselves and fatigue so i i think those are the only and the salary cap so maybe three things uh but aside from those three factors tampa bay definitely looking like they have a lot left in the tank an article about them coming soon potentially who knows but in the meantime we move on from our stanley cup final coverage on the show of course like we said we're recording this at the very same time of game four so we're, we're we don't know what the score is we don't know what the situation is let's just uh let's assume for both sides if montreal wins today expect a masterful carry price performance if tampa bay wins today they probably put up four or five goals again <laughs> that, that's probably what happened because that's the only way you can beat carry price in these runs so moving on from that of course with the bruises done let's move on over to the bunts and we could take this either way. We're talking about one division mainly today, ladies and gentlemen. We should do that weekly. We should you know, look at each division, uh, important things going on, James. And let's get started with the NL East in this one. There's two teams that have made some waves recently that we're going to talk about. And, of course, you know, the, us being an unbiased show, we're going to talk about the team that James is not a fan of first. Uh, we're going to talk about the Washington Nationals and the run they've been on. So a couple weeks ago, we had a segment where we highlighted, I think it was five teams, and what they could potentially do come the trade deadline. The Washington Nationals were one of those teams. And we kind of both had them in like a middle ground, James, where there's still good talent there that they were definitely not going to get rid of. Uh, Washington was never going to blow it up. But we could potentially have seen them selling off some pieces in weeks, month and a half time, depending on how the season was going to go. Well, the Washington Nationals clearly heard our show, so confirmed a baseball team listens to us. And I got to say, they they took it personally. So, James, I'm going to give it to you because even though we did this after this date, from June 14th to June 30th, within the last couple of weeks, they went on a 13-3 and run to get themselves well within the competition for the NL East because, again, the first place team get, can't just seem to get away from it. Uh, but this is not about them right now. This is about the Nationals. James, you were, of course, you said the Nationals, you were kind of 50-50 on them about what they should do come the deadline. Ultimately, I think you said they they could you could see them trading a couple of pieces, but they were never going to go full rebuild. And they just told us, you know, take take that rebuild and throw it away. We still want this. So what what is going on? What has happened where the Nationals have completely flipped the script here? See, Jerk, what happened is Kyle Schwarber, he drank Mike's Magic stuff or something, but he became the reincarnation of Barry Bonds because we have not seen something like this at since Barry Bonds, literally. At 75 at-bat uh, plate appearances, he actually has the MLB history record with 16 home runs and 75 plate appearances. Barry Bonds has 15 in 2001. And Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa actually doing those two years where they just were 
you know, smashing the ball left and right. It's insane, though, because it, the only reason that the Nationals are here is actually because of Kyle Schwarber. He put them on his back, and he took them this whole way there. The way he became NL Player of the Month this month was he had, uh, let me read, from June 12th all the way to June 29th. Let me read you his game-by-game ball. He had a home run on the 12th. He had two home runs on the 13th. Another home run on the 14th. That's four home runs in three days, in case you're not keeping up, Jerry. Then he had two home runs the next game, three home runs the next game, another home run, another two, another one, another two, and just like DJ Khaled said, another one. So he has literally just been insane over a span of 18 games, and it's just he – there's no describing it because he came in to June hitting 230. And now his batting average is up in the 260s, which in baseball, for those who don't know, when you're it's like when you're in school, it's real easy to get a low grade. But when you get that low grade, it's very hard to bring it back up and try and make that D look like into a B or something. And in a matter of a month, he made that flip instantly. Unfortunately, though, kind of in the perfect moment, as weird as that is to say about a player getting injured. But unfortunately, Kyle Schwarber has, from what reports are showing, is a significant hamstring strain. So it's not looking good because he was, like I said, their MVP at the moment. Yes, you have Trey Turner, who's all around doing pretty solid. You have Juan Soto, who's on base percentage machine. He gets on base at will, just like Logan said. His eye has been insane. But you really didn't have a masher and someone who was providing that pop in the offense like Schwarber was. So it's kind of weird too, because he was leading off, which is a spot you don't particularly see all these home runs coming from, but something from him going into lead off just clicked where he swung and he was like Carl Schwarber Vols who helped the Cubs win a world series. So it's interesting to see where the nationals are going to take it. Now, can they keep this up? Because if they can, they don't have to blow it up, not blow it up, but they don't have to do that fire sale that we we're talking about, Jerk. They actually, with this span of a run of wins in the game, they actually became buyers. So it's very interesting to see what the Nationals could do. They got a couple holes, so I'm kind of curious what they're going to do to plug up those holes. But you got to wonder, is this offense going to be able to hold up after losing such a key cog in Kyle Schwarber? Yeah, and I think the the thing with Schwarber, obviously in baseball, it's always hard to magnify the impact of what one player can do on a team because baseball, I think of all the sports, James, is probably the one where it's like a, one player can be great, but they can't consistently take you through a stretch of games. Like in the NBA, if you have the best player in the world, you're likely going to be a, you'll be a finals contender for sure. In the NHL, if you have a elite goalie or goalie that plays out of this world, you'll make it a very deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In football, if you have one of the most masterful quarterbacks in the game, you will be a constant conference championship contender year after year and could even win a couple Super Bowls unless you're the Green Bay Packers and you just waste a quarterback. If baseball is really the sport where it's like, yes, a pitcher can have a game, but then you don't get that guy for five days or a, a home run hitter. They could have the stretch like Schwarber said, but then they could kind of go out. It didn't look like, obviously I'm not saying that Schwarber looked like he was going to slow down anytime soon, but with this injury now being a significant hamstring strain, which I'm, I'm assuming it's definitely going to keep him out. What James, like probably two, three weeks, maybe even a month if it's that bad. Yeah. Something like that. I expect him to be out way uh, well past the all-star break, probably an extra two to three weeks after that. Cause from what I was reading up on, it's a very significant hamstring. And as we saw from James Harden in the finals or whenever you see just anybody run the first, and then they can't put weight on their leg after they made that slight, like, you know, 
realistically, Kyle Schwarber, he ain't a hustler. He wasn't sprinting right. out full out the first base. So whenever you see that, you know it's real bad, and you never want to push those hamstrings because hamstrings are tricky. What could even be just a slight injury could end up being significant and just keep stretching and repeating itself. So you really want to heal up those hamstrings whenever you get a significant strain like Kyle Schwarber did. Especially because with how valuable his bat has been this entire time, uh, I really do, uh, I really do think it's a bit of a blow to them. And like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back here because if you look at the you know the 13-3 the and three stretch that I talked about, the Nationals, a lot of it has been based off of their offense, really. Like, their pitching hasn't been that – like, they've had some decent performances, like one or two great ones, but their pitching hasn't really been that great recently. I think they went on this 13-3 run, and then what happens? They lose four straight to the Dodgers, right? So they were actually above 500 before this past weekend against the L.A. Dodgers, where the Dodgers kind of got a little – not really revenge, but a, l- a little bit of payback considering what happened when the Nationals won the World Series. They did end up upsetting the Dodgers in the NLDS. I just think overall when it comes to the Nationals, I, I still don't buy them uh, as a full-on contender. You know, and this is just my speaking, of course. We're not speaking for the organization. No, in no way are we doing that. But we're just going from our perspectives, right? And I definitely understand what you're saying. Like, I can definitely see this run making them believe they would become a buyer. I'm still kind of iffy on that. I do think if you're going to make an investment on this team, it has to be with pitching predominantly because outside of Max Scherzer, who he's like, he's had some moments this year, but he doesn't look like a Max Scherzer of old. Uh, Patrick Corbin this year has predominantly had to be the number two because Strasburg being out the bullpen it's night and day with them literally and figuratively so I I personally think if they're if they are going to make that investment that you're talking about James I think the bullpen would predominantly need to be it if by chance they have to make uh add add another power bat in there and this is my idea James because hey Schwarber predominantly using his bat not necessarily a guy known for his fielding right so now, this would have to be based off of what they could somehow do defensively. I, I don't know. It all depends on the lineup. But could, this is just my idea of a mock trade, could Nelson Cruz be a guy that could find his way to the Nationals if Schwarber is going to be out for a significant stretch of time, like a month, maybe a month and a half to be safe? Could they try to make a push for a Nelson Cruz type player or Nelson Cruz himself from the Twins? Because they're not exactly contending at the moment. And Cruz himself is can still jack up a couple homers and perhaps could even be, you know, could get a, l- a little bit more reinvigorated this season being being on a new team and a team that, like you said, I think they do have aspirations for the playoffs. I like where your head's at, Jerk, but I just don't see uh, Nelson Cruz actually going to a National League team just because I can't even tell you the last time he played the outfield. You know, it's kind of like Stanton right now. You Once these guys are permanently DHs, it's, you don't ever see it happen. That's why the Boston Red Sox kind of just have J.D. Martinez going out there every one out of every seven days like, hey, Stretch the legs out or something, guy. You got to do something besides just swinging the bat three times a game. So that, that, that was my only thing because it's like I know he is nowhere near a fielder. I I was maybe in middle school the last time he was in the outfield, maybe. But yeah, like, man. but that's my thing. So maybe not Nelson Cruz, but like, could they add a, a? If is there like a power bat they could try to add though? That's probably is a. Uh, defensive player as well that they could do like it's just I think they need something to this team because if they don't make a move or two this this run it's kind of faux pas really when you think about it I think like you said Jerg I don't think the bats what they need I think they need more bullpen or starting arm because Strasburg he's just drawing off a mound recently so he may return soon but we thought the same thing earlier this year. And look, it's been almost a month or two and he hasn't even thrown a single game. Strasburg's that guy where he could either be 
an ace for any other team or he's hurt every other month where he's only giving you two games every two months. And that's nothing you ever need. And like you said, Corbin's now your number two. Everyone knows he hasn't been having a great year at all. He's having a significant decline. You have John Lester as your number three, who has above five ERA. It's the starting pit. And when you got Max Scherzer, who is a first ballot Hall of Fame, he's going to walk in there no problem. It's an issue because he's not even looking his best. And then the bullpen, let's not even get started about that because it's a mess. You had your big offseason acquisition in Brad Hand, and that guy's been looking a little shaky this year. So I think they need a pitcher. I'm going to... I like where your head's at with the Minnesota Twins, but I'm going to stay the guy I've been stating all season, and they should make a move for Barrios. Someone needs to make a move for Barrios. He needs to leave Minnesota. Minnesota needs to be smart, trade him. Honestly, and I like where your head's at with Nelson Cruz, too. They should trade Nelson Cruz as well because he's like 50-something years old, and he's still smashing home runs. So, you know, you got to take advantage of that while you still can because – I hate saying it. I say this every year, Nelson Cruz. I'm like, this might be the year where he might not be good. And then, you know, he goes off, starts the year off with like 10 home runs in a week. So, it realistically, I would take advantage of the fact that I still have a healthy Nelson Cruz who's swinging the bat pretty decently. And I trade the young ace pitcher that I have. Minnesota is a complete mess. They actually, a lot of people say the Yankees are the most disappointing team in the league. I actually believe Minnesota Twins may be able to take their spot with how disappointed they've been this year. Yeah, I think with the Minnesota Twins, they're definitely, maybe next week or the week after, we need to revisit the conversation about them, James, because I think if you look at maybe just one season, like just just this year, don't don't think about previous years, just you think about this season, I think you maybe could argue the Yankees, but when you think about the last couple of seasons, the fact they've made the playoffs, what was it, two or three years in a row now, and even with making the playoffs, zero playoff wins, not zero playoff series wins, zero playoff wins, they've been swept out both the last few times. Uh, they made the playoffs, one to the Yankees and then one to the Astros, who everyone pegged as dead in the water. Like the Astros sh- shouldn't have gone on a run to the ALCS last season, but they did. And Minnesota helped spring that. So it is absolutely insane to me what they've done. And I think and again, a future show topic for sure. The small market team and the window that you have when you miss out on that window, you're screwed as a small market team. Let's just say that because typically this convo comes up in the NBA with like big media markets and, and such and such. But the small market team in baseball is really particular where if you can't take advantage of the two to four year window you get, you're, you're done because then eventually all your guys are going to want big deals and you can maybe only pay one of them two at best. And then the rest of you got to rely on your scouting, winning in the margins and stuff like that. Minnesota, I think this was potentially because of how they've played. I think this was the last year of that window, James. And I think to your point, even though they just got out of it, maybe they need to go back in like a a rebuild, not as significant as they were earlier in like the 2010s after Joe Maurer fell off a cliff, but maybe something like a quick two years where they recoup on prospects. Cause like you said, Jose Barrios, if the pitching core was better, maybe you could argue keeping him, but being an ace on like a 75, 80 win team isn't necessarily worth it. And like you said, Nelson Cruz, other guys, it's just something I think the Twins do need to consider. I definitely think you have a point. They, You could argue they are the most disappointing team this season. Uh, but speaking of disappointments, this team has not disappointed us after I was very concerned that they were going to waste this yet another year of this man's career. The New York Mets are still first in the NL East. Jacob deGrom has not had a, a wasted season. Praise be to all the gods out there. And in part, they've been doing that just based off of winning. And they did some more winning this past weekend. The traditional Subway series between the New York Mets and the New York Yankees 
The Mets beat the Yankees two out of three times. Of course, the Yankees won the last game, but it didn't really matter. Now, James, of course, I'll let you, you know, talk about whatever you want. But after you go on this little, because I know you, you need some enjoyment from this. You know, you need some enjoyment with the Mets beating the Yankees in the Subway Series here. So I will give you that. But once you uh, have that little time, I want us to key in on the second game in that series, because in that second game, Garrett Cole and Aroldis Chapman, the Mets hit off of their 10 runs, seven of the earned runs were on Cole and Chapman combined. So I want us to key in on that after you go on your run. James, have at it. It, Just celebrate the Subway Series. No, Jared, I'm going to be mature. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be respectful. The Mets, we did amazing. We are still in first place. And the New York Yankees, they are a low, 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 way bottom, all the way fourth in the division. Ten games, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but ten games back from first. Like I said, Jerk, I'm not going to get disrespectful. I'm going to be a respectful person when I'm talking about this. Just because we beat them up two or three games, when I say beat them up, I mean we gave them the whooping. Doesn't mean I'm going to go ahead and rub it in their face. Right. Jerk, you're just stating facts. You're just, that's, I'm just, all, I'm all just you said is facts. That's it. I'm just hey, stating James, what happened. James, remember, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Exactly, Jerk. And what the numbers is telling me is it is panic mode for the Yankees. They might have to be on sale, sell, 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 sell. Because when we last talked about the Yankees, they were seven and a half games back and only half a game back from the Blue Jays. Now, like I just said, they are 10 games back. They are finally above 500, only one game above 500, but finally they made it over the hump. And the Blue Jays are now two games above them. The Rays are a comfy six games above them. And the Red Sox haven't broken a sweat worrying about them since God knows whenever. So the Yankees are completely panicking i think jerk we're finally getting up to that point where they gotta start questioning is it time to trade aaron judge is a question you have to ask if not aaron judge you have to ask are you trading gary sanchez if not him glaber torres one of the three has to go you have to figure out who you're paying because preferably you want stan to be the guy going out but like we just said jerk he is strictly a dh who is getting paid 24 plus million to swing the bat three times a game they're scared to throw the guy in the outfield because he will literally just fall apart after. He can't even run the bases. He gets hurt running the bases. Like, you know, so it's a $20 million Lamborghini that blows a gasket the moment it goes above 20. But you look on the other side, we have my New York Mets. We're still not that healthy. We are actually, I think, second, if not tied for the lowest run scored. But when you have, like you said, the Jacob, the Grominator, the GOAT, whatever you want to call him, we also have who got snug from the All-Star game, Taiwan Walker, who has been the sneakiest signing of the offseason, which actually Taiwan Walker brings up a great point of how bad a job Brian Cashman did this offseason because he was a late offseason signing by the Mets, was for the taking for anybody for a smooth $10 million a year, two-year contract. $10 million, yes, it's not cheap, but $10 million is a – Decent baseball contract where if you need starting pitching like a certain team needed and instead they got two broken pitchers where Taiwan Walker, he had a phenomenal season the last two seasons. Very underrated player going into the offseason. I didn't know much about him, but now, boy, do I ever learn about this kid. So the Yan- that was a sign the Yankees definitely should have made right there. Thank God they did it. My Mets swooped in. It's just now we're really seeing, as everyone said, we are now – 70 80 games into the season some people were wondering still is are the yankees gonna step it up or is this the team that it is but 80 games into the season you are what you are at this point and the yankees are not a good team 
I think it's time to panic and you got to start discussing is Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, or Glaber Torres playing their last days here in New York? James, I know you've been waiting for a very long time to be able to say that about the New York Yankees. You've been waiting for so long to be able to flip the script on it where you could say the Mets are the division leaders. And and while it's not the strongest season for them, they're still looking good. And when you have DeGrom, Taiwan Walker being great, who I've always been a fan of personally, and then Noah Syndergaard potentially coming back like you could get him for the second half of the season and, you know, his arm will be fresh because... Yes, he's coming off an injury, but he hasn't pitched this entire year. So there's stamina there. This Mets team could actually get better. And Lindor has looked a lot better ever since that 0 for 26 thing. It, I'm not saying he's playing like an all-star this season. Obviously not. But he's nowhere near that 0-26 player that we saw earlier on. Just guys are starting to get their groove a little bit here for the Mets. And with the NL East, like while I said it's very close right now, at the same time, the second and third team, it's the Nats who just had to make this phenomenal run before they lost four straight. And it's the Braves who you want to talk about, you know, injuries. They're injured to hell and back in their pitching core. They honestly probably had the best pitching core to compete with the Mets, but just everyone's down with injuries. So I think for the Mets, this is definitely a season for the taking for them. And I know for you, like, I'm happy for you, truthfully. I am happy for you because I know you've been waiting a long time for that. And the Yankees discussion, again, that's earmarked for another future episode. We're going to break down a couple of these teams uh, in the coming weeks for with the NHL season ending, MLB, you know, we're slowly getting there. We're, we're going to have some fun segments here where we're going to do some deep dives on these baseball teams. But speaking of deep dives, James, I think you know what time it is. Of course, Jerk. It is time for the greatest segment ever made, known in the time of man. And it is time for getting to know you folks. You know, Jerk, I've been itching to get a win since you snuck one out of me. I know he DM'd you on the side or something. He gave <laughs> the answer. I know it. I've been itching to come back and try to beat you. So... Without further ado, let's bring our next guest in for getting to know you. And that is, go ahead, Jerk. Of course, getting to know you, our second ever game slash segment that we brought up here on the show, where we will always bring on for the segment one of our cohorts at the Off the Ball Network. And they will give us five questions that me and James will, you know, try, try to answer. See who potentially knows their friends here at the network better. Usually James more often than not, but I'll sneak something in here and there. Uh, And of course, this week we have our, this is the third time I believe we're doing the game. So our third ever OTBN getting to know you guests here on the show. He is new to the network, just joining recently, but you know, he wasted no time. This man hit the ground running and then some, he has been absolutely outstanding, exceptional. Some may say phenomenal with the off the ball network YouTube channel and his uh, game reactions and recaps that he's done covering the NBA playoffs. He was recently talking with a, VP Mo and Prez and uh, the Hoopers on an outstanding episode that they did recently that you can catch on the Off the Ball Network YouTube channel. This man is one of the best basketball minds in the game today. One of the best, one of the many goats and legends at the Off the Ball Network. And like I said, he may have just joined, but he's not wasting his time. He's showing you just how talented he is, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, our guy Justin Payton. What up? What up? What up? What's up, y'all? How y'all Justin. doing? How you doing, Justin? Oh, man, I'm great, man. Fourth of July weekend was excellent, man. Of Just getting back into the NBA playoff, getting ready for the finals tomorrow and everything. How y'all doing? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. I, I, J- James could tell you, I was wondering, man, like, man, I hope I, I give him a good welcome onto the show. Because, it's it's, Justin, it's a big deal for me. I always want to make sure everyone gets a good welcome. I hope I did you right. 
Man, I tell you what, man, that introduction, man, I got myself in tears, man, before I coming on here. So I was like, ooh, ooh he got he got me good on this one. I gotta come in with the fire and everything. So I appreciate the introduction and everything. And great job on, on the uh MLB stuff and all that. Great show and everything. Keep doing y'all's thing. I'm I'm very happy for y'all. Appreciate it. We're happy to have you on the network. And James, I know. Uh, for you personally, like you said, you're itching to get a win. I, I'm not going to keep you. <laughs> James, James is frothing at the mouth, Justin. Like, I while, while I'm edit, while I've been editing the episodes the last few weeks, James just texted me like, just, "Hey, wait until we get getting to know you again. Just wait until we get that again." <laughs> so, James, I won't keep you from it any longer. Re- remind the people what the game is, and then let's get it going. All right, so just a quick reminder for the people. Once again, Justin, thank you for joining me. I love the energy you just brought. That's the exact energy I need right now for this W. But once again, just a quick reminder for you and the guests. Justin here is going to tell us five fun facts about himself and give us three uh, three options each. Five multiple choice, three options each. We're going to take our guesses, and when we're done, Justin's going to repeat the questions, give us all the options, and then we'll both say what we picked, and hopefully one of us hit it. Whoever wins out of the five wins. Of course, it's going to be me. Without further ado, Justin, let's get to it. All right. All right. Well, my first question, going back into my football days and everything, how long have I played college football at my Furman University Paladins? Is it two years? Is it four years? Or just a year? Okay. Okay. We we struggle with the football questions when they asked us that. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. If you're good, Jerk, I'm good. I got my I'm, number down. I'm good. Let's, let's move on. Question two. Uh, my second question is, what is my all-time favorite sports movie? Is it Coach Carter? Is it Space Jam? Or is it The Longest Yard? Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I was feeling positive about one of them until he dropped the longest yard in there. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the but windows, even though that was good. I'm talking about the one with Adam Sandler. Yeah, that's that's the just one. To right make, there. That's the just right. to let y'all know. I got my second one. All right, I'm ready for the third question of you, Warjerg. Yep. Y'all ready for the third question? All right. What is my least favorite sports team? Is it the Dallas Cowboys? Is it the New York Knicks? No take a shots at Chris or anything, but I'm just saying the New York Knicks. That's fair. Or is it going to be the New York Yankees? Justin, you don't got to worry. It's a safe space here. You want to take shots at the Knicks, you take shots at the Knicks. All right. We don't... No disrespect to Chris and Mo. We... Shout out to them, but no disrespect. We don't pull punches here at Bunsen Bruises. <laughs> That's why Bruises is in the title. <laughs> I'm still mad about that Stockton thing over the weekend. That should be definitely be a discussion. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Y'all good? I'm ready if Jerk's ready. Yep. All right. Number four. Here we go. What is my favorite NBA player? Is it Kevin Durant? And this is currently not all time. Is it LeBron? Or is it Chef Curry? As in Stephen Curry? Okay. Okay. We got a good mix here. We got we got a couple sports in this. I like it. Let me mm-hmm. tell you, he, he's been hitting us with some good questions. You know, that, 
The last time we would see that guy was okay with his questions, whoever it is. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. I'm, re I'm ready to move on. <laughs> he was signing with one person over on that last one. So. <laughs> and then this one's going to go back into my high school days of wrestling. I could have been a good or bad wrestler, but we'll definitely check it out. Number five, how many back-to-back -back season wins that I had in my last two years um, in, at my high school? Is it? 40. And this is what I mean, like 40 wins, you know, junior year, 40 wins, senior year, two as well. So is it 40? Is it 50? Or is it 45? That's a tough one, right, James? <laughs> this is going to be the moneymaker right here. I can tell you. I think so. I think so. All right. I got it. I got it. I'm locked in. All so right. All right, Justin. Um, so you go ahead, repeat the first uh, the question, repeat the options, and then me and Jerk will give you our answers, and then you tell us who's right, who's wrong. Definitely, for sure. All right, my first question was, how long did I play college football at Fulman University? Shout out to the Paladins. Is it two years? Is it four years? Or is it just one year? I oh. personally have two years. I have two years as well. To you, is that final guesses? Yep, final guess. Close, but it was actually just one year. <sighs> it was just guess. one year. I played college football for just one year, and decided to do the next four years as a video guy for the Paladin, which was an exciting time to get more travel and get to see more of the games than me just playing. And plus, you know, just different history with you know college and high school and stuff. So yeah, it's just one year. Shout, shout out to that. I was the video guy in my school for a year. Really? Yeah. yeah. Shout out to the video coordinator. Before, before, before COVID hit, before COVID hit, I was the video guy. I was like running the streams and stuff. I actually, I also got to do basketball commentary. It was a lot of fun. It was nice. Nice. Yeah. I was close with the Carolina Panthers. You know, I went to the training camp and, um, you know, was seeing how the video does and everything. And man, I wish I would have had like a chance with them and everything, but they didn't have like, you know, they they had enough people, so I couldn't really help. So it's all right, man. We had open arms here. We're more than happy to have you here for off the ball and <laughs> with your videos. <laughs> I'm blessed and thankful, though. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. My second question was, what is my all-time favorite sports movie? Is it Coach Carter? Is it Space Jam? Or The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler? I said Coach Carter. I'm positive. I'm locking it in. Not even looking back. I, are we gonna get everything the same here, dude? Oh, I have, come on, Jerry, stop picking the same as me. <laughs> what do you mean? I, uh, yeah, I got Coach Carter too. All right, as good as Coach Carter was, that's not my all-time favorite sports. It's the longest yard, I knew it. <sighs> actually, it was actually Space Jam. I watched oh, it. Space Jam. I watched wow. that thousands of times. Plus, the soundtrack is one of the best of all time. I mean, and I'm definitely going to be doing a recap on the Space Jam 2 once I get a chance to see it and do a recap of that and see how it's different from Space Jam 1. So my definitely. favorite part of that trailer was when they had the uh, the, the bunny, what's her name, Lola, and they recreate the, the LBJ D Wade Alley. I was like, OK, maybe I'll watch it. After I saw that one little part. Yes, yes. Oh, man, it looked like it was going to be really good and stuff. And then definitely it could be something LeBron might get into once he's done with basketball, do a little bit of acting because he was in train wreck, I think, too, yeah. as well. He was so. great. He was great in train wreck. I love half his lines. I always say Cleveland's for the family. 
<laughs> LeBron's doing his thing. All right. And then number three, I said, what is my least favorite sports team? I said, is it the Dallas Cowboys? Is it the New York Knicks or the New York Yankees? Uh, I put the Cowboys. Honestly, I don't know if you hate them or not. I just heard Cowboys and I picked Cowboys because they suck. So Cowboys. <laughs> I very much wish that I had paid a little bit more attention to when Justin came on at the very end of our Yankees talk there, because like I got, I was focusing so much on James. Like I wish I had seen a, a facial reaction about that. Cause I think it would have given me a good hint. Oh man. Now, you know what? I'm gonna stick with my guns. I'll say it's the Yankees. Actually. I'll, I'll say, I'll say Justin enjoyed the last little bit that James was going at the Yankees for. <laughs> well, it is the Dallas Cowboys. I really hate them so much. Cousins are huge Dallas Cowboy friends. I know Mo's a Dallas Cowboy friend. Mo, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you take all your Cowboys gear, bun it into pieces and everything. I don't care if Zeke is going to have a great season because you see him on video. He ain't going to have a great season. So Preach. I want the Cowboys to suffer. I want the football team to win the NFC East. Mm. I'm telling you, Mo. This for your own good. Mm-hmm. Come to the good team side, please. That's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you said this is for your own good. I love it. This is for your own good, Mo. This is your. I know I'm gonna get some heat for this after this. <laughs> you gonna get a DM from Mo? That's what you're gonna get. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, Mo. Oh man, I'm waiting for it, Mo. I'm waiting for it. Then number four, I said, "What is my favorite NBA player?" I said, "Kevin Durant." Is it LeBron or is it Stephen Curry? You go first, Kirk. I have KD. I think like I, I think out of everyone, Justin, I definitely remember like you of all people, you were you were definitely I think we all were, but praising Kevin Durant just like in awe of what he did when both uh, Harden and Kyrie were essentially done. And like you said, it's like it's currently. So I think currently LeBron and Steph are a little bit too far gone from the playoffs now. KD was the most recent of these three. I'm gonna run with KD. It's KD or Steph. The question is, do I ride KD just to, you know, strategically play it? I got one yeah. above you right now. Yeah. Is that what I do, Jerk? Um, I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to oh lock it God. in. I'm going to lock it in, KD. <laughs> oh, man. Nah, it's Steph Curry. <sighs> See, I knew, I knew it wasn't LeBron. I praised Kevin Durant and everything. I praised LeBron, too, as well. But Stephen Curry is my favorite player. I'll go back and watch any highlights of him, you know, from his playoffs or even his Davidson days. He's one of my favorite players to watch and basically try to pattern, you know, my type of basketball game, you know, and pick up games and all that. So definitely Steph Curry is my favorite player to watch. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then my last question um, is how many back-to-back win seasons that I had in wrestling in high school? Talking about my junior and senior year. Um, is it 40? Is it 50 or is it 45? Where'd you go, Jerk? Oh, no, I went first last time. Your turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mister, right, wanna... oh, I'm, I'm just going to pick the same thing to stay up by one. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. It ain't cheating. It, you ain't trying if you ain't, you know, whatever. <laughs> I went 45. I went 45. Uh, you know, I might as well go for broke here. I'm going to go 50. I'm going to say Justin was a king on the mat there. I know a little oh, bit of high oh, school wrestling. I know a little bit of high school wrestling. I know it's not a ring. It's a mat. Let's go oh, 50. Man. You tied it. I see it in his eyes. Please. Oh, man. You know, it was actually 40. It was ah, actually He gave us the answer. He gave us season. the answer, Jerry. Yes, it was actually 40. Um, You know, I didn't really know about that stack until, uh, you know, they announced it, you know, in the announcements once we got done with uh, 
wrestling in um you know anderson around my area for state uh championships my friend won that uh same year um you know i, I went to state and i lost but it's okay though but they said you have back-to-back 40 win seasons that's unbelievable and i said damn man i never really thought about that i never thought of myself as being a you know great wrestler or anything but you know i definitely got some youtube wrestling clips too from my high school days of wrestling so if you just type my first and last name in and just put wrestling should pull up charles west shout out i remember funny funny enough i remember my junior year the wrestling coach actually wanted me on the team god knows why he wanted that it wouldn't have gone well i'm just saying that right now it wouldn't have gone well (laughs) for anybody involved but that that was an experience for me I, i i didn't end up having a match because at that point, like, I, I wasn't ready to handle, like, the combination of being a, a student athlete in high school then. Like, I just, my workload junior year as well was just, like, it was, I was kind of a bit of a brainiac. So, I had that. But it was definitely, <laughs> looking back, it was definitely one of those things. It's like, what if I had gone through this? How many broken bones would I have? <laughs> Man. But J- James, hold on. B- before you finish, Justin, I got, J- James has been waiting for this. I'll let him say whatever he wants. <laughs> you know. There comes a time when uh, I'm never gonna rub it in your face, Jerry. Come on, come on, Just move. keep it moving, Jerry. We knew it was coming. He's saving hang it for on. the text. He's saving hang it on, for hang the on, text. wait, hang on. I'm gonna do what you did last time. You won. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll give you credit. That that was a good swig, but ain't nothing like the original. Don't forget that. Oh, two one. That's and all. And my know, mug Jerry. is better. Two, and one. my and my mug is better. <laughs> Two one victory is sweet. Uh, uh, revenge isn't a good look on you, Jerg. It's not a good look. <laughs> it's gonna be a long time before I get any vengeance here. I went zero for five today. I'm probably going zero for five next week too. Uh, so obviously, Justin, that was outstanding f- facts. Like you, you, Mo, and Chris, like all three of you have delivered. But that that was a ton of fun with your questions there. We had a phenomenal mix right there. So we very much appreciate you joining us for this week's getting to know you. Before we wrap everything up here, of course. We're, you're not just here just for getting to know you, of course. We, we always have that little bit of back and forth of our guys. Justin, as I said, you're an NBA guy. It's NBA Finals time, my man. So yeah. you, you've been doing the, the recaps for YouTube. You've been phenomenal. Like I already said, you've been great with them. You were on the show recently with uh, Mo and Chris talking about it was like the end of the conference final series. So now, like, let's get a little bit of your insight here. It's the Suns versus the Bucks. What are your, like, one or two biggest uh factors in this series that are ultimately going to determine who the champion is going to be oh man um the very first thing that's really important is the health of Giannis um because we don't know how serious that knee injury is even though he looked like he's um pretty good look he's in pretty good shape and um you know they listen to him as day-to-day they pretty much think in game seven they probably going to might not let him play, but just like keep him rested because they think they're going to take advantage of the uh, not game seven, but game six. But yeah, it depends on Giannis's, uh, you know, health. If he could play in the series, um, I think it would change a whole lot for Milwaukee and everything. But at the same time, without Giannis, their offensive, uh, their offense officially went up. You know, Drew Holiday controlling the tempo to Brook Lopez having that phenomenal game five and also Milton Willie stepping up in the scoring low. Everybody could Bobby Portis, you know, contributing um, with the Bucks too as well. But they're facing a Phoenix Suns team that's really hungry. You know, you know, going eight and zero in the bubble last year and Chris Paul uh, bringing in that clutch poise and 
his leadership, you know, to that team. They they are finally an identity too as well. You know, it's going to be a really it's going to be a really good series. Both are really good defensively too as well. You know, Boko and Paul with their mid range. Like they're unbelievable when they pull up from mid range, and it's gonna be hard for the Bucks, you know, to stop in that series. Um, because they like to go drop covers, they like to protect the paint, um, rather than just uh, pressuring up. Um, so the key to the series is, you know, the, the uh, health of Giannis first, and then secondly, um, who's gonna come out aggressive? Because you see, Milwaukee is one of those teams that's very inconsistent. Um, they can be consistent one game, and then another game they're inconsistent, or they just don't play really well. So Bernard Hoser really have to really coach in this finals in order for Milwaukee to win a championship. But at the same time, you know, Phoenix is super healthy. They're really healthy. You know, they haven't really missed a play or anything with injuries other than Chris Paul getting out of the protocols and everything. So it's going to really come down to, I think Phoenix might win the series in six, seven games if Giannis don't come back. If Giannis come back, it might be a different story. I don't know who will win that series. It just depends. I actually have kind of a different opinion. I think if Giannis is healthy, which actually I've been hearing lately on the radio today and whatnot, that Giannis actually might not even show up to the finals just a lot of rumors are spreading around that the Bucks want him to just stay healthy for the future. But I mean, you know, when when it's the finals, yeah, when it's the finals, you got especially when you're a two-time MVP. This is a legacy. Like I hate saying it, this is a legacy series right now for Giannis. As much as it is for Chris Paul, but I'm a huge Chris Paul guy. I want him to win this ring because he could arguably. A lot of people are saying he'd be a top five point guard the moment he wins a ring. I think he arguably could be the best point guard the moment he wins a ring if he goes down with this legacy. So I think even if there is a healthy Giannis, I think the Phoenix Suns are way above where the Milwaukee Bucks is, not only in terms of talent and depth, but also coaching-wise too. Mike Bullenholzer is not that great a coach, in my opinion. He's gotten lucky through the past – couple series you know why i'm not gonna get into it darn nets either way i think uh i think body Williams is just gonna blow him out the water with schemes and just the way he's gonna coach it and like you said chris paul is just he finally gave him an identity and it seems like the suns although they've been bumping into a couple injury ridden teams they have been just straight dominant there's teams where even like the nuggets if they had a healthy jamal murray i don't think they stood a chance against the Suns. so now that they had a sweep in the semi, uh, yeah, in the semis, they had plenty of time to heal up and for Chris Paul to get back right from those uh, that COVID protocol and him being positive and whatnot. Honestly, I think a healthy Giannis would make the difference here if he was 100%. If he had never had the injury out, I, I would lean towards the Bucks because unlike a lot of people, I still believe in Giannis more than most do. But honestly, after that news, you just told me that Milwaukee may hold them out. I, I'm done. I don't care. I want them to get swept now. I really don't care. I'm fully against them. I want the Suns to win now officially. Like you said, Chris Paul, his legacy is said, I firmly believe, I think we're all in agreement. He is one of the top whatever, six, seven, maybe even five point guards, depending on like our own personal list. He's personally already top five for me. And a ring would only further elevate him. Um, with Giannis... Like, like that just really, that just really got me so mad with what you said, James, that like they might hold him up for future seasons. You, cause you never know when you're going to get back to this point. You can't waste this opportunity. You can't let it go. If he's healthy, I don't care. Giannis is probably going to push for it too. Like this guy, for all we want to say that's negative about Giannis, he's a competitor. 
the second that he's told he's like 85, 90% for certain, he's going to tell them, I don't care. I'm playing in this series and we're going for the championship. But at the end of the day, after you just said that, I'm fully against the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I, I'm, I've never really been like a fan of that organization anyway. I was really hoping the Nets would beat them so that all that they would get was their revenge series against the Heat. But sadly, the Nets had to disappoint me. Uh, but even still past that, like just Boonholzer frustrates me so much as a coach, man. Like, he frustrates me so much. If it wasn't for Brooke Lopez coming out big in game five and then Chris Middleton in, uh, was it, it was game three when he had that, like, 20-point quarter and then in game six as well with another one. Like, if it wasn't for all that happening plus the Giannis injury, like, Boonholzer straight up would be fired. So, and I, as well, like, I understand coaching can matter. Like, I think Nate McMillan is a coach that you could say he mattered for Atlanta. But when it comes to the Bucks, you could fire Mike Boonholzer. You could put a high school coach in there, and I still think the Milwaukee Bucks would be a 50-plus win team. That's how irrelevant I think that Mike Boonholzer is, and that's how very much against that I am at this point. So that's just my take on it. In all seriousness, I think to your point, Justin, coaching is going to mean something here. Monty Williams has just been phenomenal. And when it comes to being having that extension of the head coach on the floor, like who better than Chris Paul to have out there? Chris Paul is going to dictate this. He needed those first two games when he came back in the Clippers and Suns series to get his legs back under him. He looked a little bit better in game five. And then of course, a masterful game six performance of what he did. So I do ultimately have the Suns winning out in this one. Now, of course, a week from now, things could change and it'll definitely be interesting to see. But I, right now I'm, I'm on Phoenix's side and it would take something miraculous or just different from here. I do want to key in on one thing you mentioned, Justin, because I'm going to find this interesting. Like for the Bucks. I think the big thing for them is Chris Middleton needs to be their guy in these first two games. Like if let's just assume Giannis comes back for game three, right? Like Chris Middleton, we cannot have the game where like game four, he essentially disappeared. Uh, Game one, he disappeared game five. Like it was mainly holiday and Lopez. So you could kind of give him a pass there, but that was, that also wasn't his game that he had. It was funny enough the even number games really. But that can't be the case here. He needs to be more consistent. Like, can you just key in on the fact, like, how Chris Middleton, his consistency is the biggest thing for the Bucs if they want to make sure that it's at least 1-1 going into game three? Well, he's the closer, you know. Giannis is never going to be, like, the closer for the Bucs because, you know, as much as Giannis is really good and really talented and the best player on the team, it comes down to hitting free throws. It comes down to hitting key moment shots and everything. And Giannis is not that type of player. You know, Chris Milton's always been the closer. I always go back to the comparison, and it's just like, I'm not comparing it to them, but Kobe and Shaq. You know, Giannis is Shaquille O'Neal. Um, he can dominate, but he ain't going to hit free throws or clutch shots and everything. And then Milton's kind of like the Kobe-esque. He's going to come in and close the game and everything for you. So Milton has to stay consistent because if Milton is aggressive and is hitting his shots and being consistent um, being consistent with the Bucks, the Bucs got a good chance. They um, Mo said this earlier, shout out to Mo too again as well. He said it in his podcast. He said, the Bucks will go as far as Milton goes. He didn't say Giannis. He said Milton because Milton is their closer. He has to step up his game. He has to be the difference maker. He's not going to be the Batman because Giannis is always the Batman. But he needed. They, but they also need a Robin to help him out at the end of the day. So Milton really has to help these Bucks out. And seeing Drew Holiday finally getting back to his form and seeing Philadelphia Drew Holiday, you know, that he was an all-star and everything and being the most underrated player in the NBA really helps too as well. So the Bucks really have to depend on, you know, Milton also keep moving the ball around because if they're just standing there and not do anything and not taking the Suns lightly, the Suns is going to take advantage of it too as well. 
that's very fair with all that. And I definitely think with Middleton, this is a big opportunity for him right here in what he could do. Yeah, I, I think that's beautiful analysis right there. James, anything else to add aside from his beautiful analysis and my just vehement, vehement dislike of the Milwaukee Bucks at this point in time? <laughs> uh, the only thing I'd like to add is since uh, Justin did mention Mo, I'd like to mention that it's the end of the first period and the Canadian and the Montreal Canadiens are currently up. 1-0 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> so hopefully they win this game five, just like I said. But that just about wraps it up. Like you said, I got to be Chris Middleton here and be the closer for us. Justin, thank you once again, man, for joining us here and providing us for this segment. You might, you arguably probably had the best questions to date so far. I think it's been a little competition between everybody and the network because they watched a couple episodes and everyone see. Questions just keep better and better. So they're trying they're trying to one up each other, which is perfect for us. <laughs> Makes our lives easier. Exactly. I'll take it however I can get it. But like I said, guys, thank you once again for joining us. It's been another great week of bunts and bruises. Use promo code off the ball on Monkey Knife Fight to get your $50 match on your first deposit bet. It's me, James. It's JerkK40 at Twitter. It's Justin Padden. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff. Thank you for joining us again. Have a good week, guys.